Hello everyone, my name is Vernon Moore, that noise you're hearing is my pencil, I wrote. Welcome to Wonder of the Force, presented by Page Turners, they were not. Nice Star Wars podcast. Ah, uh, folks. We have come to the end, this is the last episode that I'm recording in 2023. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy, the year has come to an end. Another year of Star Wars. I just wanted to talk really quick about what this year in Star Wars has been like. And it's funny because it's hard to remember what occurred at the beginning of uh, this year. As far as Star Wars. Um, Another really, like the first thing that comes to mind is phase two of the higher republic. Now, for those who may not know, the higher republic is an era of Star Wars 200 years before the movies. Uh, it's a, it, it's basically a, a whole publishing initiative that they've been doing um to tell many stories set in that time or rather one big story set in that time so the so phase two was continuing and i gotta say phase two of the higher athletic is pretty good I would say I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I don't think it was quite as um, good as phase one. And I don't mean that it wasn't good. I mean that it, it didn't have my interest the way that phase one did. However, I am glad we got phase two. And for those who don't know, Phase two takes us back 200 years before phase one. Well, 400 years before the movies. Um, to explain some of the origins of the Nile, the Nameless, and many other things. And the details we got about that was really good. Um, though, I, I maybe was a, a little uncomfortable with the... Path of the Open Hand group because there were maybe some fans taking it as an as a message about why religion is evil. Yeah. But then again, that that's that's a matter of fans interpreting. I do believe that cults are evil, yes. I do believe that there have been many evil cults. I just, it made me a little uncomfortable if anybody took it the wrong way and took it as a religion is evil. You know, the same thing happened in Mandalorian Season 3, and we'll get there in a few minutes. But then again, that's not the art itself. That's discussion of the fandom. Um, also, around the same time as we got Phase 2 of the Higher Republic, the Dad Batch season two began January this last year. 
And I gotta say that season two of The Bad Batch was wonderful. Particularly with the character evolution of characters like Crosshair and Omega. I mean, Omega is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, I think. Uh, but if I can really quick, sorry, I got ahead of myself. Phase two of the higher public was enjoyable, but I was very happy this last month to get back to phase three because phase two was explaining some of the details and giving us a little bit of a breather after the horrific destruction of Starlight Beacon in, C in phase one. Phase three takes us back to the same timeline. That's phase one where we get to hang out with our favorite characters. And let's just say after reading The Eye of Darkness and some of the comics, I am so happy to get back to. Characters like Elzar Mann, Porter Engel, Adar Chris, Lena So, even Martian Rowe, as nasty as he is. Yura Staros, um, Bell Zedithar, the list just goes on and on of characters that I so much enjoy. Um, there are a few other Star Wars books that came out in this year that I did not read, like Princess and the Scoundrel and other things like that. So I can't really comment on those. I saw the Bad Batch Season 2. I think it was great. I know that there was a lot of discussion about some of the episodes being filler. I do not believe that there is such a thing in, at least in, I don't believe that Bad Dad Season 2 had filler. Each episode was telling us something about the galaxy, about the setting, about the characters. Even if, like, the episodes on Pabu was giving us a this is what we're fighting for kind of deal. You know, it, it's all adding to the story, even if it may not add to the plot. Because there is a difference. Um, so we get that, that season two, and I just want to say really quick, so at the end, spoiler alert for those who have not seen it, at the end of it, Tech falls off the train, presumably to his death, because it's a long way down. And many people ask the question, is he really dead? It's a very devastating episode. I think he is dead, and, but I have a theory, and like I said, this is a theory, this is a speculation. I am not going to marry this theory. But if it doesn't come true, then I'm okay with it. I wonder if Dr. Hemlock and the others collect Tech's body, bring him back to life in the Mount Tantus Observatory. Oh, sorry, the Mount Tantus Laboratory. But it's not Tech.
You know what I mean? Like his body may get reactivated in a very Frankenstein way. But it's not really tech. And Omega, who is now a captive, has to learn to let him go. Would it be very dark? Yes, it would. But the show is demonstrated, particularly with the third episode of season two, that it can go very dark. So I just wonder if they, if he isn't dead per se. I mean, Tech is dead, but maybe his body is reactivated. And Omega has to learn to let him go. Like I said, it would be very dark. But as they say in Star Wars, unless you see the body actually die, you know, or unless they're like beheaded or something, then they can always come back. Have they been overdoing that? Eh, I don't know. I'm not the best person to ask. Because I've enjoyed all the stories coming back. Of people not really being dead, kind of thing. And so I don't want Mace Windu to come back because I think his injuries would be way too severe for that. Great, then we get The Mandalorian Season 3 came out this year. And I know that it was quite divisive for some fans. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, because Andor knocked our socks off last year, I had a feeling that any live-action show that came out since then would not be able to satisfy the people who really loved um, Andrew. That's all another discussion. But as for me, uh, Mandalorian Season 3 I thought was really great. And really delving into some fantastic stuff with the Mandalorians, with the Mythosaur, with Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan getting, like, you know, basically playing, like, a main character just as much as Din Djarin is a main character. So we get to see her lead her people. And what I loved, and I know this didn't work for everybody, but it worked for me. A lot of the fandom has been feeling that the Children of the Watch, which which Din Djarin belongs to, and the armor, and Paz Vizla are just a cult. A cult of religious fanatics that are stupid. You know, like any cult. Like I was saying earlier about cults in Star Wars. And I think some people were taking it and saying, yeah, religion is stupid. Which, you know, as a religious person, I kind of take exception to that kind of thinking. But I don't think that that's what Dave Filoni and John Favreau were trying to do. In fact, quite the opposite, because at the end of Mandalorian Season 3, the Children of the Watch and the mainline Mandalorians led by Bo-Katan came together and united, and I love that. Because it shows that they can put aside those differences. 
that's the problem with Mandalorians, is how very sectarian they are. How very much they are always splintering into other groups and fighting each other all the time. And Bo rightly pointed out in season two, it said we united and fought just as hard against the Empire, they never would have destroyed our planet. But because the Mandalorians couldn't agree on anything. And let's be clear, Bo is the one that calls the armor and the children of the watch a cult of zealots. She's actually the one who, after spending time with the armor and with Din, I think she gains respect for them. That they put aside their differences and work together. Now, will the children of the watch ever take their helmets off? I have no idea. But I think at the moment, it's a matter of you can leave your helmet on, or you can take your helmet off and still be a Mandalorian. And I think even the armor evolved as a character. And realized that the rules of that you can't take your helmet off are, you know, are not applicable to all Mandalorians. And I think that, well, we know that the armor in, season, in the Book of Boba Fett, rather, talks about basically how much a disgrace Bo-Katan is. But by the end of season three, they have a respect for each other. Now, the armor's evolution is mysterious, slow, and ponderous. Yet she evolves, and she changes. And she comes to respect Bo. And vice versa, the Mandalorians are able to unite and retake their planet from the Empire and put aside the differences and unite. With Bo probably becoming their leader, the Mandalore, at some point. Also, I just want to say really quick, is Buff Gideon dead? I don't know. But also, I love that we get to see the building blocks of Thrawn's return to take back the Empire. And the idea that Carson Teva and many others are right. They're not just disunified warlords. They're all making it look that way. The Empire is making it look like they're not united to confuse the New Republic. So that when they finally merge together under the banner of Thrawn, they're ready to fight. They just wanted the Republic to think that they were disorganized. And I love that. I love that detail that we get to see the Shadow Council. Including Brendel Hux, as in General Hux from the sequel trilogy's dad. And we also get to see Captain Pelion. To those like me who are fans of the old Thrawn trilogy, Captain Pelion was a very important character in the Legends Star Wars. Played by uh, Xander Berkeley, which I was excited to see. 
one of those that guys from so many things. Um, and as far as the Darksaber being destroyed, you know what? I'm going to say something controversial here. I'm glad it was destroyed. And I like that it was destroyed not by choice. Because it's like the ring in Lord of the Rings. Nobody in Lord of the Rings could throw the ring away. Of their own volition, I think. The temptation is too great. That it can only be destroyed in some other way, which, as we see, is Gollum falling into the lava with the ring. Moff Gideon destroying the Darksaber is the same thing. I don't think anybody could have destroyed it except someone who doesn't care. I don't think any Mandalorian could have voluntarily destroyed the Darksaber. So for me, getting rid of it, getting rid of the Darksaber so that that temptation is removed, I thought was a brilliant choice. And as I said, it might be a controversial opinion, but it is what it is. Um, we also get um, that the third episode of The Mandalorian, um, which was very interesting because there was a lot of discussion about what does that have to do with anything. Uh, let me see what it's called. I forget exactly what it's called. But what's interesting about it is that there was a lot of discussion of, you know, yet again, the, word, the dreaded word filler. You know, the idea of, um, is it filler? Uh, and as I said before, no, I don't think so. Because the, it's not filler because it does add so much to the story. Okay, it's the third episode, chapter 19, called The Convert. Uh, it adds a lot to the story in terms of what's going on in the galaxy. But in terms of what does it add to the plot, I don't think we really know yet. We know that... Um, what's her name? Kane Is secretly working for Moff Gideon. Uh, and she basically seduces, for lack of a better word, seduces Dr. Pershing into helping her get some stuff um, Ilya Kane to get some stuff from an old Star Destroyer. Uh, and we don't really know the reason. I'm assuming that it's adding to the cloning that Gideon was doing, or, or it's part of the plan to resurrect the Emperor, and that that's what it's leading to.
Um, I don't actually know the answer to that. I think that we will find out, or the answer was right in front of us. And it's the cloning of Moff Gideon. However, when Dr. Pershing decides to help Kane, the music playing is very similar to Snoke and Palpatine music. So, whether or not that means anything, I have no idea. But I do think that that episode did add a lot to the story in terms of the galaxy, and maybe we have not yet gotten the answer to what was the point of stealing that medical equipment from the Star Destroyer, and I think it has something to do with the Emperor's Resurrection. That I think maybe Season 4 or that that Season 3 will further explain. So regardless, I thought Mandalorian Season 3 was fantastic. And then, of course, really quickly to end on, we have to talk about Ahsoka. Um, I'll just get right to the point. I loved Ahsoka. I thought it was great. Uh, it's unfortunate that it came out during the strike. However, the strike needed to happen because the livelihood of people working in Hollywood is more important. You know, the average person who doesn't get paid hardly anything for their work. We're not talking about the big A-list celebrities here. We're talking about working actors who are not paid enough. The strike needed to happen, and I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad that the settlement has been reached to get fair payment and fair treatment to workers, actors, and writers in Hollywood. Um, so, it's it's kind of unfortunate that Ahsoka came out during the strike. Because many people were not able to discuss it on their podcasts out of either... Either they were members of the guild and not allowed to, or they did out of respect for the strike. But I have to say, thank you, Tarkin's Top Shelf. Becca Benjamin, Mark Suter, and Idiot Array. Thank you for keeping me going during those months. Ahsoka was fantastic, and I know that in many ways, it feels like a setup to a bigger story, yes. And I certainly hope that we can get that story eventually. Uh, and I think that there probably will be a season two, I think. What I think is what it showed us was so wonderful. Because it's something that we had never seen. Peridia, another galaxy. Um, we got to see the world between worlds on live action. Got to see um, Ariana Greenblatt, who you might remember as Sasha in Barbie, playing the young Ahsoka in those scenes. But of course, I'm always happy to get the return of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and Hayden Christensen as Anakin. Because ever since the Kenobi series last year, Hayden has returned to Star Wars. And 
people could not be more happy, and I am so glad that he is finally getting the reception that he deserves. We treated him really badly 20 years ago. Having him come back as a hero to the fandom is marvelous. Um, and then, of course, getting to see uh, Natasha Lubordiso as Sabine Wren and Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Harris Sindula. Getting to see Jason Sindula, so amazing. Getting to see maybe the best thing that was introduced to Star Wars this year. If I had to say, what is the number one best thing introduced to Star Wars this year? The answer is Balin Skull. It was so very sad indeed when Ray Stevenson passed away. Shortly after appearing at Star Wars Celebration. Ray Stevenson gives what I would argue is one of the greatest Star Wars performances as an actor, as Balin Skull. And Balin Skull is one of the greatest characters added to Star Wars. And for me, he is the number one best thing of this year in Star Wars. I hope that they recast because I do not want his story to end. I don't think his story will end, but I think they should recast. I know. I know that that's difficult to accept for some. That I think they need to do that and move on with his story. No one can replace Ray Stevenson in our hearts and in our minds because he gave a wonderful performance and really moving new character that was so beloved that I don't think we'll ever replace him in our hearts. We can recast the character. But the character is eternal. Ray is sadly not here to see the reception of his character. All I will say is, Ray, you did a great job, and we miss you terribly. So, Dalen Skull is my number one addition to Star Wars this year. And the last thing I want to say as we end here is that I really think that 2023 was a marvelous year for Star Wars. I also must add Iman Estefani, Estefani um, I think that's his name, as, uh, as uh, Ezra Bridger. And getting to see Lars Mikkelsen in live action as well. There's so much more I could say about this year. I really hope that Ahsoka gets a season two. I can't wait to see to get the story extend of where they're going with the story of Ahsoka. I'm very excited for 2024 in Star Wars. We'll do an episode on that next week, I think. So 2023 was a marvelous year in Star Wars. My favorite new thing added to Star Wars was Balin Skull. My favorite book is probably The Eye of Darkness. Though, is it just me or the uh, Nile a little bit overcovered? Whatever. I'm excited for where the future takes us in Star Wars. 
And those are my thoughts on 2023 in Star Wars, a magnificent year for that galaxy far, far away. My name is Brendan Moore. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to One of the Force, presented by Dage Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. Thank you.